This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today our guest is Jonathan White. Jonathan is the director of group sales for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to Front Office Features. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited for this. I'm excited. We're excited to have you. So um, I was going through your kind of history, and I see you're an Oklahoma uh, grad. Go Sooners, right? Boomer. Boomer Sooner. And uh, I, I almost laughed out loud. But don't take this as a slight. <laughs> Were you on the supply chain in the supply chain management club? I was. Yes, I started. They, how, I didn't even know that team. existed. How, yeah, they, me, me either. How, how the heck did you get into the supply chain management club? And how is that even a club? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> candidly, I, I went to OU. My dad has worked in supply chain uh, his entire career, and so I thought that would be a really cool. A career path for me to go down, um, which was pretty foolish of me because I'm horrible at math and all that stuff. And so, <laughs> uh, once I started getting into calculus, I, I quickly got the heck out of uh, out of supply chain management. But I, I figured I was in the club long enough to at least throw it on my LinkedIn for a little clout. But it oh, was, there you it go. Was way over my head. They, uh, I just found that funny because I've never seen that. Right? You seen like sport management club, business club, <laughs> or whatever, but supply chain management club. I was like, what? The hell's this, this got to be fake? No, I'm trying to beef up the LinkedIn. So, oh, there you go. Well, job well done on on Thank that. You. And your secret is uh, your secret is safe with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did notice when you were at Oklahoma, you did an internship early in your college career with the Texas Legends of the uh, of the D League or G League or whatever they where they were. Yeah. Um, was getting an internship early in your college career a strategic play, or how did that come about? I would be completely lying if I said that you know this was all a part of my master plan. Um, <laughs> again, when I when I came to OU, I thought I was going to be a supply chain, and then even uh, throughout my career at OU, I changed my major to PR. Um, so I thought, even though I had a couple of sports experiences on my resume, I was committed to being in crisis communication. That's what I wanted to do. I thought I'd be writing press releases and, and doing that stuff my whole career, but it was it was absolutely critical to you know, getting me to where I am today. But, you know, for me, when I was 18 years old, about to go to college, I hated retail. I never wanted to work in the food industry, no offense, but it it just, it's not me. And so I I was just kind of scanning through jobs with my dad and I I saw that the Texas legends were hiring. They were midway through the season, but they they needed someone to to finish out as a a game day intern. And I thought, well, that looks, that seems cool. It's sports. I like basketball. I lived in Frisco. So they were five minutes away. So there was nothing strategic behind it. It was a coincidence. And, you know, when I ended up working for the the Dodgers, even through college in Oklahoma City, again, it it wasn't because I thought 
you know, hey, my career is going to be in sports. It was just, hey, I can get a paycheck and I'm not working retail or something. I'm in college. I need something to do. I need something on my resume, more importantly. And, you know, I'd done something in sports. I thought, why not do something again? And I, I had no idea that it was going to lead to the that's uh that's interesting to me but take away the sports side of it the it was strategic though to get a job early that would add to your resume earlier in your college career just wasn't some throwaway thing it was like all right let me go get a job to beef up my career to potentially help me down the road even though this path wasn't the exact path that you thought you were going to take would that be an accurate assumption yeah, no, 100%, right? Like, even before I went over to the um, the journalism college at OU, you know, I, I was in the business school. And so a lot of my classes, you know, before I got into the, you know, the, the major classes focusing on what then would have been supply chain and all that stuff, you know, I was in, you know, these leadership classes and, and business development classes that were really hammering home, hey, you need internship experience, you need things on your resume. At that point in time, you know, this is probably 2011, 12, LinkedIn was a thing, but it wasn't obviously what it is now. And so we were going through how to set up a LinkedIn account, why it's important to have one, why you need uh, experience on there. And so I, I was starting to get this kind of drilled into my head at a pretty pretty early age in college. And so, yeah, I, I didn't mean for it to, to end up being a career in sports, but yeah, getting getting an opportunity on my resume so I could have some things to build off of. So when I graduated, I had something I could I could speak to was really important to me and something that was important to my family and to my parents too. That's cool. So one of the things you are, uh, obviously you are a PR communications, obviously you're a great writer. And one of the things that Larry Lucchino, the CEO emeritus of the Boston Red Sox and uh, all, has been telling me from the day one is, you know, master English and uh, <laughs> be great with your English, your word, your written words matter. Yes. I would imagine you would agree. How has the ability to uh, write well helped you? And would you? how would you suggest others following your lead in that manner? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you can write well, you know, to me, you can, that, that's pretty powerful. And to me, it was all about effectively communicating. And that's why I wanted to go into crisis communication, because you know, in, in the PR world, you know, no one has a brighter spotlight than when things are going wrong. And so to me, I thought, wow, if I can master this craft of communicating effectively and efficiently when things are going horribly wrong for a company or there's something serious going on, you know, that's going to make me just a better professional, a better speaker, a better writer overall. So I saw extreme benefit, even if my career did go down that path, just as a professional growing up. Um, to be excelling in writing and, and speaking and all that stuff. So I think it's easily translated over to my sales career because, again, I was really learning, you know, how to measure my pace, tone, volume, you know, when I'm speaking, you know, how to get rid of nerves when I'm talking to strangers or in front of a crowd. That is all translated directly into what I'm doing today. And so, you know, I, I thought that was a critical step for me to become a, a decent seller throughout my career without me even noticing it. Um, the path to go down is, you know, if you're, if you're in college right now, you know, is there a club that you can get into? Is there extracurricular classes that you can take to improve your writing or communication? Um, I didn't even mean to be a communication minor. I fell into it because this was, this was just genuinely a passion of mine. I, I wanted to learn how to communicate more effectively. I took, you know, business communication classes so I could learn how do I communicate 
upward to my boss? How do I communicate um, down to my employees if I'm eventually a manager? How do I communicate across to my peers? I was learning this stuff in college and you know, I think about it all the time just from what I'm doing today. So you know, do those extra small things that you don't think immediately are gonna make an impact, but they really are, are you know, those were some of my best classes in college. It's not even, it's not even up for debate, honestly. That's interesting. They, I always uh, sucked at writing <laughs> and uh, it's been something I've always had to struggle to, to get better at. And I think if you can master this, um, then you are way ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. Um, you, uh, you, you, uh, you touched on it earlier. Um, you did an internship with the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Shout out to Jenna and Michael Burns, two of my very yes. close friends in the mm-hmm. uh, in the in, in the industry. Anytime anyone ever does an internship or works in minor league baseball specifically, I've got to ask: How was your experience with the with the Dodgers? <laughs> I loved it. I'm candidly, I'm a big Dodgers fan. In LA Dodgers, I'm wearing my, my hat now with the announcement of uh, the MLB returning today, so I'm, I'm jacked up on baseball right now. But um, Great. The, ex- the experience was so critical to me getting my head wrapped around what I was getting into in the industry that I, I wouldn't have taken that away for the world. And when I was there, you know, I was doing nothing related to sales at all. I was on the entertainment team, which means, you know, if you were out in a, a humid night in Oklahoma during the summer, you know, if you looked up on onto the uh, the dugout and you saw a weird, lanky kid in horrible khaki shorts and a Red Hawks. At the time, we were the Red Hawks, but a, a Dodgers yeah. uh, jersey with a nickname on the back. I think it said J-Dub or something something dumb on it. Um, dancing and singing, take me out to the ball game and throwing you T-shirts into the crowd. Like, that was me. Like, I, I was up there doing that in college. And I got to go on the field and help out with anything, you know, that, that crew needed or anything. Um, but we were really just helping with the games and entertainment in between innings. And I think it taught me one important lesson, which was, if you're going to work in this industry, no matter your title or anything, you have to be prepared to do whatever is necessary for the betterment of your organization. And it was, you know, it was something that you think, oh, well, this is a, a silly job. I'm in college. I'll never have to sweep the floors or take out trash or be a mascot. And I'll tell you, I, I've been a mascot very recently in my career uh, to this day. So, you know, you, you learn those principles in minor league baseball and minor league sports in general that I think are, I think they really just help mold your mindset for when you take on, you know, some bigger roles in professional sports where candidly, you're not going to have to do some of that stuff, but it just makes you a, just genuinely gets you in a better headspace and, and you're just willing to do that much more without second guessing it. And you don't have to balance being too big for any job in sports. So I loved working there. So I'm going to kind of go off track a little bit because you bring it up here about, you know, basically never being too big for the job, right? Never be bigger mm-hmm. than the, ne- never be bigger than job, do anything that you can. And you kind of learn that in your role uh, with the, uh, with the Dodgers or Red Hawks uh, at the, at the time. But you also wrote an article called five tips to achieving your ideal job in sports and tip mm. one, never be bigger than the job. <laughs> right. Yeah. So right. this you're pre you're talking about that today, but you also wrote about it and uh, you can tell that you are very, uh, you're a very good writer. Um, Thank you. Talk about the article, right? There's uh, you know, your, your five tips, never be bigger than job. Number two, learn something from each opportunity. Three, find a mentor. Uh, four, find your why. Five, 
work uh, for the job you want, not the job that you have. Why did you write this article? Talk about each of those tips. What um, walk us walk us through this? Yeah, this was um, this was really special for me because you know I, I finally you know really settled in here with the sharks, and I, I thought you know I didn't want to go and and raise my hand to say I could contribute to, to sports business solutions where I felt like I had a real grasp and I was able to to truly start to give back to those coming up in the industry and. I just felt that about a year ago is when I wrote this, that I finally had enough experience and um, to see the bigger picture and be able to help. So this was, you know, this, although there's dozens of articles, hundreds, if not on this platform and people write them every day, you know, this was pretty special for me to get the opportunity to do it. But, you know, I guess to go through a, a quick recap, you know, never being bigger, you know, than a role, you know, I just touched on it, right? Like you, you have to be willing to do whatever, whatever it takes. And I have a, a good example in there from, my former president in Santa Cruz, Chris Murphy, who, you know, he's one of my favorite people I've, I've ever worked for. And I gave some very real examples in there of what is being done. You know, if you look at Chris, who's very well respected across our industry, he's the president of the, of the G League team in Santa Cruz for Golden State. But he's also an executive. Like he's one of like five to six people who is like a head honcho for Golden State. And so this, this guy, Chris, you know, if something needed to be done at at Santa Cruz's arena or in the office, Chris was the first to raise his hand. Like he had zero ego and it was really eye-opening to me because, you know, candidly, I, I had just come to Santa Cruz from the NFL. NFL is the NFL. I don't think I need to say anything. It's a, it's a different beast. And I'm working with this president who I'm seeing on a consistent basis, empty garbage cans. Why is he doing this? We, ha we have cleaning services, but we saw one overflowing I typically wasn't running to do it. My reps weren't doing it. Chris would do it. There was one time where we needed uh, our arena painted, right? Like our arena had been a couple of years old. It needed a fresh coat. You know, I don't know if it was a cost saving method, whatever it was. I, I pull up to the parking lot at, you know, 730 in the morning. Chris is in the arena painting it himself. I was wow. like, what huh. in the world? Um, we had events at the arena. and We, you know, we, we struggled sometimes with just the upkeep on the outside of the arena Chris would be out there, you know, picking up trash, picking up whatever it is in front of the arena. It's like, wow, like this, this is what everyone needs to be doing. And this is the mentality everyone needs to have. And I think it goes back to the story I told earlier, I, the wink, wink, hint, the, the opportunity I had to be a, a mascot for the one and only time in my career, maybe there's another one coming, was huh. when I worked in Santa Cruz. I, I had a sales event at six in the morning for my own client I was selling and our mascot bailed and we needed one. I didn't have a choice. So I was our mascot. And again, I, I thought, how can I not do this? How can I complain about this when the president of my team is doing things like that every day? And so adopting that mindset and seeing Chris set the example that he did, I think really trickled down to the organization. So I think that's, that's why I made it tip number one, because it's critical. Um, yeah, love ahead. it. Love it. That sounds like a, uh, my kind of guy. My yeah, kind of guy. I love it. He's awesome. Um, I'll, I'll quickly get through the rest of these, you know, learning something from every opportunity. Again, I, we touched on it, but the Dodgers was the example I gave, you know, again, I was on the entertainment team. I was not in ticket sales, which is where I wanted to go. You know, I, I could have just viewed this as, you know, Hey, I'm going to collect a paycheck. I'm going to come give a, a half hearted effort every night. But what I was learning was, you know, without even realizing it, I was learning how to be a, become a seller. I was going up to people and I was selling them on myself and something I wanted them to either buy or do. 
in the event of games and entertainment at Dodgers games, but that directly translated into my next role with the Thunder, where I had to go up to folks in the concourse and pitch them on signing up for a survey so we could collect their information so we could eventually sell them something. So I was learning something from each and every role that I was doing without realizing it. Um, the third one that w- was find a mentor, right? Like this, this is critical. And you know, you have to have someone that has your best interests in mind, personally and professionally. I think it's always a nice balance. And so I've had, you know, uh, I don't know what what kind of luck I've had to run into some of the, the leaders I've had in the industry, but you know, I've got people that are, are in management roles or out of the industry now, whatever it is, that are a quick text message away. And I, I vent to them. I use them as a soundboard. I call them. I meet them for lunch. Whatever it is, you know, just to talk through, here's here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what's going well. You know, if I'm changing roles, you know, what do you think of this? Am I crazy to be leaving this? Like, I, I personally need someone in my corner that I can go to for that. And so... You know, I highlighted it in the article, but Paul Epstein, who, who hired me for the 49ers, is a, a, a very close friend of mine who has been that person for me from day one. And then my inside sales manager, Justin Jordan, um, really gave me my first real shot in the industry, um, is still a close friend to this day. And I, I, I've bugged them far too many times than they wish, but, you know, they've they've helped guide my career and they, they deserve as much credit for, for a lot of my success. Um, last two things were, were find your why. Um, this is something that I learned under Paul at the 49ers, you know, really discovering your greater purpose. Why are you in this role? Why are you in sales? Like what gives you a sense of accomplishment and joy every day? And, you know, my first week with the 49ers, we had a unique onboarding process. It, it wasn't, Hey, just learn the, the ticketing products and, and go sell. You know, Paul would take whoever he onboarded to his home and we would go through like a five-hour discovery process of finding your why and your greater purpose. And candidly, at first, we were, we're all leaving. We're like, this guy's crazy. Like, what is he talking about? Like, I just want to go sell and make money. And then the more you worked with Paul and got to understand why he did this, it was like very eye-opening and exciting. And so, you know, I encourage everyone to take some time to just figure out, you know, what is it that you're interested in and why? And if I can give a recommendation for a book. You know, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Um, I just recently reread it during quarantine. Phenomenal book, and it helps you figure out this discovery process. So um, I love that that part of my career. And then, I might have to pick that one up. It's phenomenal. Uh, I'd be love interested in how he got it. Like, what did you do? <laughs> for, uh, for like, What did you do for five hours at somebody's house? Yeah. Uh, candidly, Paul Paul was a pretty relaxed guy. So we had a lot of pizza, a lot of uh, a lot of adult beverages were there. But he was, Sounds he was good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, but we um we we got to go through a discovery process. He had a lot of questions for us to ask, a lot of breakout opportunities for us to go sit, personally reflect, reflect as a group, and then we would all circle back and discuss this with Paul. And it was it was a crazy exercise to do. And and honestly, I've, I've stolen a lot of that stuff Paul had us do. And I do it now with, with every stop that I have, you know, it's a part of what I do in the first couple of weeks when I'm learning my staff is it's not that full fledged thing um, where I'm, I'm inviting folks over to my house. But, you know, a lot of the questions that Paul asked, I, I, I use today and I'm, we're about to go through, you know, um, reflections on the past season and I'm, I'm going to be going through this process with my team. So um, it's, a cool, That's it's cool. a cool process. That sounds um, like it. And then the last thing, again, work for the job you want, not the job you have. It's just more so, 
you know, be proactive, have a goal in mind, you know, stay present in what you're currently doing, but, you know, always be thinking of, you know, what are you doing today to help put yourself in the better position for, you know, your, your ultimate goal down below. So uh, those were, those was kind of a quick summary of, of my biggest takeaways. Got it. I, I, I love that. I love that article. We'll have to share it on our social media uh, sites and uh, so that they can read it. Cause it was a great, great read. Thank you. Um, so after the Dodgers, you just talked about it. You hit the Thunder. You talked about going to the 49ers. Yep. I want to ask going those two specifically, and then we'll get to Santa Cruz because I have a specific question about Santa Cruz. So it's Thunder, then 49ers. How did you how – did, how did that work? How did you get those jobs? We talk a lot about it's about networking. It's about connections. It's about mm-hmm. the experiences that you had. Is – is that how you got the th- those specific jobs jobs in what I'll call the big leagues, right? The NBA and the NFL. How to walk us through how you got those specific yeah. roles? Yeah, I had, a, I had a pit stop in Dallas too. I went. That's right, the Mavs too. Yep, yep I had yeah, that too. My yeah, apologies I, for missing it. Oh, oh, good. I went back home to Dallas and got to work there for a little bit. But I, I think since Inside Sales, I have only applied for one job, like where I really sit down on my computer and fill out. My- on teamwork online or whatever it is i've only done that once since i got really in the industry it's all been networking like i I hate to sound cliche but that's what it's been right when i was at the thunder you know i just had like weird coincidences along the way that helped me out when i was at the thunder my my manager justin worked with the director of ticket sales for so he shot him a note and said hey i've got someone interested in selling groups for you i think three weeks later i had that job when I was at the Mavs, um, I had I did a, a decent relationship with Bob Hamer and Sports Business Solutions. You know, they, they who's a great guy. Who's a great guy. I love Bob. They're they're all great. Um, you know, they they reached out to me and said, "Hey, we've got an opportunity to come to the 49ers. Are you interested?" I said, "Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to." Got to the 49ers about a month later. Um, the one job I applied for was Golden State. I, I didn't have any like, real connections to them, but once I got to Santa Cruz, my old director, uh, once Paul left, was Nana. Uh, Nana Yaw, and he he texted me one night when I was at a Santa Cruz game, and he said, "Hey, you know, my my friend uh, who's VP of ticket sales for the Sharks, Brian Towers, is looking for someone to head up groups. Are you interested?" And I responded, "Yes." And I think three or four weeks later, I was at the Sharks. It's it's all just been networking and connections, and you know, even when you leave an organization, maintaining a good relationship and not burning any bridges along the way. That's how I kind of transition from job to job, I think so quickly and so seamlessly is just, I, I, I have good friends in the industry and I have people that have, have been looking out for me and it's paid off and made everything a lot easier than it, it could be, I guess. Right. Uh, Lucino is the second time I bring him up. Uh, he always says you're judged on your entrances and your exits. And <laughs> I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. So, I want to ask about Santa Cruz, right? You're at the 49ers, what people would think the pinnacle of someone's career, right? You're at the NFL, the NFL. Mm -hmm. And then you head back to the minors, right? You head to the Santa Cruz Warriors in in the the G League. How did that – take us through the mental thought process of going from the NFL to the G League. (laughs) Trust me, I I, I had some questions, uh, candidly. I I thought, am am I really doing this? Um, and I think it was even harder because we'll call it what it is. The 49ers are a top brand in the NFL. They're one of the most historic franchises. Um, I, I had my dream job as a seller for the 49ers and I had every resource I could want. 
um, I had the world at Levi's Stadium and it was, you know, some of the most fun I've ever had in this industry. But I think it all goes back to what I said about finding your why. And through several discovery processes and talks with Paul and, and just other people that I, I trusted, I, I realized that my purpose and, and what I wanted to do with my career was not be an individual contributor. And by hook or by crook, no matter where it was, hopefully in California is what I hoped, but no matter where it was, I needed to put myself in a position to give back to the industry that had given me so much. And so, yes, I was leaving the 49ers, but I, I didn't even, at the end of the day, I didn't look at it that way. You know, I thought, hey, I'm going, I'm still working in sports. I love basketball. I'm in California. That makes me really happy. But more importantly, I get to do something I really want to do every day, which is coach and develop and train the next stars coming up in this industry. And that far outweighed the logo or the NFL shield or any perks or anything I had at the 49ers. It, it was all cool, but it, it didn't, it didn't matter that much to me anymore. And so I, I made a decision and a move that, that put me in, in a, you know, in a role that, that got me what I wanted to do. So I, I would do that that transition kind of. I love that. I love that thought process. Is that you know you're finding your why, and uh, that's why you did it. Because a lot of th- we talk a lot about on our podcast. It's not about what's uh, the name that's on the front of the jersey. It's about the experience that you've you, you create for yourself, right? And the yep. opportunity for the either the next job or at that job. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with the name on the front of the jersey. Yeah, it, it was it was irrelevant, right? Like it, you know, logos are cool and all that, but you have, you know, they're not that cool if you're not really doing what you want to do. Like you can be with your dream team, uh, whoever it is. For me, I'm, I'm a diehard Lakers fan, for example. But if I'm working for the Lakers, but I'm not doing really what I want to do on a day to day basis, is that worth it? Like the, eventually, the shine comes off that logo. That's not to say it ever did at the Niners, because again, that was what an incredible opportunity, but. I just had something bigger that I needed to do with my career, and Santa Cruz gave me the perfect opportunity to do it. And as a Lakers fan, you know, we all have flaws in life. Uh, nah. We won't hold that against you. Um, nah. You know, I'm a big, uh, uh, you know, grew up a Celtics fan. So, nah, uh, of course. <laughs> but uh, so in your role now, you're a director of group sales, and you hire a whole bunch of um, young, up and coming sports executives. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you a very specific question about kind of where we are in the world today yeah. that many people who listen, they've been, you know, taking our advice and reaching out and networking probably more aggressively pre COVID. Uh, and they've stayed kind of quiet or less, uh, you know, less voice, uh, boisterous, uh, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of like, all right, I feel like it's starting time to, that you're able to reach out again, but also kind of feels weird to start the conversation again, right. With, people that you're trying to network for to get a job what advice would uh you have for those folks to start that conversation again what should their email look like what should their phone call sound like yeah no you know i think now i I always try to look at every problem as an opportunity like i I try not to see the negative and and what's going on right now too much although it's it's difficult to do candidly but i think now is a really good time because you have to think we're, we're all hiring managers are all sitting at home right now. It's not that we're not working, but we're sitting at home. I think we're on social more, LinkedIn. Um, I think we have more time to have some of these conversations with, with folks interested in our organizations now than we would previously. And so 
you know, I, I think for me, I've received more LinkedIn requests in the three and a half months that the shelter in place has started in California than I have probably the past two years of my career. Like it's just, I, I'm, well, I'm just overwhelmed by them. And I think the thing that's not frustrated me because it's not that I get annoyed, but it's that I just get too many blanket requests. Like it's just a college student who says nothing. Um, we have nothing in common and they just send me a, a request and think that, hey, I'm checking the networking box. And I think what I would tell everyone is sending anyone a LinkedIn request is not networking. That is not it. Like just because I'm in your network doesn't mean we have networked or benefited from each other at all. And so what I would encourage everyone to do is it doesn't have to be, you know, the goblet of fire. I don't need some huge novel that you send over <laughs> to me. But if you're gonna send me something, just say like, hey Jonathan, I'm love to you know learn more about the sharks or um so you've been xyz and i had a couple questions for you or hey i'm in college and i'd love to you know i I don't need an interview request every single time but just say something just hey i would love to have you in my network but you know it everyone gets lost in the shuffle if you just blanket send out things i I just think that you want me in your network just to kind of have me there and not puffing my chest up by any means but it's just i don't know it just no i I totally get it Right. There's stand out. Right. So what are you doing to stand out? There's all kinds of people that send me, you know, same thing with you, a ton of LinkedIn requests, but none of them have any substance to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And what are you getting from that? How is that benefiting you? And I'll honestly, how is it benefiting me? Right. Like what value do you bring? And I don't think enough people think of it as that way is like, all right, I did my networking thing. I'm on LinkedIn. But yeah. like what value are you bringing? Exactly. No, again, we're, we're not, we're not networking. Like you're not doing it. Like a lot of college professors will say, you know, network, reach out to people, grow your industry. But that, that's not the way to do it. Have purpose behind exactly what you're doing and don't be shy to make your intentions known. We've all had to raise our hand and put ourselves out there to get to where we are. And no one is going to look at you and, and think, oh, why is this college kid bugging me, asking me for advice <laughs> or wanting to connect? It is the exact opposite. I am honestly thrilled when I have college kids or anyone in the industry, no matter the level, reach out and say, hey, I, I just want to talk. I just want to pick your brain or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not here today without doing it. No one is. And so don't be bashful with your approach. We we all understand and we all want to help. And come with stuff too, right? Like do your research, talk through it. Yeah. Um, and I want to get your opinion on this. Chris and I, Chris is the, uh, my partner who we do this podcast with um, together. And we talk a lot is I think there's a lot of bad advice from college professors that says, well, just get your start in sales and see and get your foot in the door. And then you can really go do what you want to do. I yeah. think that's some of the worst advice of all time. Yeah. And if you're going to go be in sales, like you got to go be a sales guy. If you want to go mm-hmm. be in community relations, go be a great community relations person. If you want to go be in marketing, go do marketing. But yep. to say, just dip your toe into sales and see how it works. No, that makes you a crappy salesperson and you're going to get fired anyway, because you're not any good. <laughs> No, I completely agree. And I learned that early on in inside sales. I, I may have said it in my, my inside sales interview when I was trying to get into the thunder, but I, I very quickly learned that that is the wrong thing to say. Like, and it's, it's funny to me. I actually laugh every time I hear it in an interview when someone says, Hey, I just want to get my foot in the door. I just want to get my foot in the door. And I, it's, I automatically will put a, a little X by your name most of the time, because I don't think your head's in the right spot. I think you're doing this 
for the wrong reasons. And that might not be true, but by you saying that, that's what it portrays to us as a hiring manager. And so if you're applying for a sales job and they ask you, why are you applying for this role? You know, have some conviction and, and purpose and hopefully genuine desire to want to be in that role and say, hey, I don't have a problem if someone says, hey, John, candidly, I don't know if sales is for me, but I'm going to come into this role. I want to do it. I want to give it 100%. And if it doesn't end up being my career path, then so be it. But I am going to come in here and bust my butt in this role. Just be honest with me and tell me that. Like, I'll take that person all day over to someone that says, I just want to get my foot in the door and see how yeah. this goes. And, you know, I really want to be in marketing. Why the heck are you applying for? Yeah. Why the hell are we talking? <laughs> yeah, you're you're wasting my time. And so, if, if you want to be in marketing, then happy to intro you to someone. But it's not you're not going to take more of my time. So do not say that. Please stop saying it. <laughs> the same thing with oh, I love sports, or in your case, I love hockey. Right? Yeah. I I love I, I uh, Chris always says I love food. That doesn't mean I need to be a chef. Exactly. No, we have a ton of people. I, I would get it in Golden State just because we were. We were the hottest team in the league, um, and so we would get a lot of people applying for jobs that were just diehard Warriors fans. You know, I, I specifically remember someone starting an interview with me, and he was like, "Johnny, you know, look, I, I got a poster of Baron Davis behind me. I love the Warriors." And I was like, "I am done. Like, just yeah. stop, stop talking now." Yeah. And so, don't don't apply or, or say that, "Hey, I'm a big fan of the organization." That's fine if you are. There's nothing wrong, but don't let that be the reason you're pursuing. You're not getting a job because you're a big fan. You no. bring other value because you put help put a roof over your head and my head and everything else. So, exactly. uh, alas, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I wanted to change the conversation a little bit here today. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, race and the social change our country is kind of going through. You know, as an African-American sports executive, as me as a white sports uh, sports exec, what kind of I, I, I'm, I, I feel weird or awkward a little bit, even bringing it up, but like, what kind of conversation should we be having? I don't even know how to start it, yeah. but I know that I want to have it. Does that even make any remotely sense? No, it does. And I honestly, I appreciate you bringing it up. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is no matter how we have the conversation or even as awkward as it, it feels to, to many people, the fact that we're having the conversation is such a huge step forward for everyone outside of the industry, just humanity. Like it, it's such a it's such a cool experience to be a part of right now, albeit it came because some unfortunate events happened. It's been so it's been so remarkable to be a part of the conversation just occurring and the walls coming down a little bit because you're right, there there's you know, for me, I live in the Bay Area, I, I don't see huge African-American population, which is, which was different as someone that's from Texas. I, I, I see, you know, it's been pretty eye-opening, but then for someone to come to hockey, it's like, wow, right. I, I don't see many people at all that look like me. And, you know, I've, I've got to give credit to the Sharks. We, we acted pretty, pretty quickly and we actually put together a, a do better council, which was a part of kind of cascaded down from the NHL's initiative. Uh, one of our players, Amanda Kane, started to speak up. So this is a league initiative, but we decided to do it internally. And so I'm on this council with about 11 under other members of, of our organization. And the whole purpose is just have the conversation. What should we be doing? And we're not having this council with anyone, myself included, thinking I have all the answers. Here's what we need to do. Because I don't. 
but we're starting to have that conversation internally. And I, I honestly could not be to this day, like this is one of my prouder, if not proudest moments to be a member of the Sharks because, you know, I've got to give them credit. They didn't have to do something like this, but they're accepting that this behavior is no longer okay. And we want to address it. We don't know how, but we want to address it and improve it within Team Teal, our organization. And so that's what we're doing. But, you know, as long as we're having the conversation, I guess, in summary, that's a win for us. So no matter if it's awkward or how do we approach it, as long as we're having it is a win, I, I promise. Yeah. And if for 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 me, it's like, I, I don't even know what to you know, I want to be part of a solution and I want to, I want to talk through it and like, hear some of your challenges. So, and how we can, you know, better change from kind of learning from the past, you know, Mm -hmm. as you've been going through your uh, sports career and obviously it's been very successful with a a, a multitude of different stops. What challenges have you faced that you think you didn't have to face just because uh, maybe, uh, you know, because you're an African-American? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I think, um, you know, candidly, I, I think I've been really fortunate, right? Like I, I've, I've had really close friends in the industry that, that have helped me progress um, and that I've been able to lean on for opportunities. So I don't think I've faced a ton of challenges for growth in the industry, at least that I'm aware of. And I, could be, I could be numb. I could be oblivious to something. So that, that's certainly possible. But I, I just think for me, you know, it's not a challenge for getting a job. I think it's a challenge maybe coming into an organization because, I mean, effectively, I'm coming into roles no matter where. And I look around the room, I don't see anyone that that looks like me. And I think that that just brings its own set of challenges because, you know, if I did, I would instantly have a connection to someone. We probably have similar backgrounds. Uh, we have something to instantly talk about. It just my level of comfort isn't there. So I don't think it's a challenge. I'm just not as comfortable maybe coming into organizations because I don't have that luxury. And, you know, I, I recently connected with, with Thomas Eugene, um, who, who's my counterpart down with the Florida Panthers, uh, African-American. And, you know, we reconnected on LinkedIn probably two months ago and we immediately jumped on a call because it was like, we were honestly, we were like looking in a mirror. It was like, wow. You're an African-American director of group sales in the NHL. Like, in the NHL, I mean, they're just like, I can't imagine there's another one. And so we, we just instantly gravitated towards each other because of that reason. We just had a, a really cool conversation and I don't have that opportunity to do it often. And so I think that's where Thomas and I, for example, really clicked. And so I just think my comfort level hasn't been there, but again, I've worked with phenomenal people to where they've welcomed me and it hasn't been about that, but still it's still a thing it still exists it's kind of in the back of my mind and what do you think that are um some of the you know what are some of the main things that you know organizations or either hiring managers or even people coming up into the or uh, into the world now can do either to be my more mindful or to be more supportive or like you talked about to make your experience more comfortable what are some of the actionable items uh that folks can do yeah, you know, funny enough, we had this conversation um, when I was with Santa Cruz. I went to the, the G League meetings uh, two years ago or whatever it was. And, you know, it's a credit to the NBA. They, they're really proactive and progressive. And, you know, one of the things that they said to all of us was we need to start diversifying our hiring strategies. And so 
we need to stop just going to the same you know, local colleges or posting a, 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 a job on teamwork online, but we need to start getting really granular. Like we needed, we need more females in the industry too. Like this isn't just a race thing. This is a, just a complete diversity issue we have in this industry. And so their advice to us was start finding, you know, female led clubs on college campuses, go speak to them, talk to them about how they can get into sports and give examples on how they can be successful as well. Find different um, you know, racial clubs on campus, go to them. You know, is there Muslim clubs? Is there African-American clubs? Is there Jewish clubs? Like wh whatever it is, but like, just go expand your outreach as opposed to posting it because, you know, our postings seemingly attract the overwhelming majority of the same people to these roles. And so we just need to be more proactive in going out to different demographics and exposing them huh. To our industry and organically it's going to happen because there's a lot of people that are either lower income or from different backgrounds they have no clue they can get into this industry you know there's a lot of people that think hey it's it's athlete or bust and it's because they don't yeah. know any better and i came from about as fortunate of a background as possible and even i didn't know i could make it in this industry doing anything except for actual athletics and so we need to do a better job educating the youth in high schools and colleges to expose them to our opportunities. And I think we'll see organic growth. And then I think we accomplished the goal that you talked about, right? Which is, you know, making me feel more comfortable. If I walk into a room and I see people that look like me and are, are from my similar backgrounds, my walls go down. I feel great. Let me go talk to this person. But until we decide that this is important to us, we're not going to make any progress. One of the things I found interesting is one of my colleagues uh, on our staff here, he's new, he just graduated college a year or two ago, and he was telling me that, uh, and he's African-American, and he was saying that, uh, you know, if someone uh, who's African-American might go on like our website and check out all of the staff members, and if there's not uh, anyone that looks like them, they might not even apply to jobs because they're not, they don't envision themselves feeling comfortable in that situation. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Like you, you want to, you want to know that you've got something in common with some place that you want to go and, and make an important decision in your career. And, and so it's, it's critical that we do small things like that, that we don't think of, right. Altering your website, putting pictures of a more diverse staff up. Um, right now it's pride month, for example, like are we as an organization changing our logo to reflect that to essentially inadvertently open our arms and say, we welcome diversity. Yeah. All tweaks like that can make a difference. And, you know, for me, again, when I joined hockey, there, there's not a ton of African-Americans, but one of my reps, um, his name is Mo, and he, he's, um, he's African-American. And, you know, he told me something that just kind of made me sad, although it was exciting. As he said, when you joined, I was so happy because it was such a breath of fresh air and I had someone that was almost an ally in my corner and I was thrilled that he said that, but it was also kind of heartbreaking, right? That, that he was so excited to see me that had nothing to do with my experience and my background, but just because of, of my race. And, and that's just kind of the world we live in right now. So um, we're, I'm excited to be tackling this um, and being a small piece of this change with the sharks and, and we'll see where it goes. Well, it's uh it's commendable that you, what you're doing and taking a leadership role into this. And, um, you know, for, uh, and, uh, I was excited, but in all honesty, uh, nervous to talk about it because I don't really know 
how to bring it up. And yeah. I want to thank you. You kind of made it easy <laughs> and yeah. we we're just talking. Right. Yeah. And that helps um, because I think there's a lot of folks like me who just like, I don't even know how to broach the subject. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you making it, uh, making it easy uh, to discuss and, uh, you know, hopeful to continue um, that conversation. And um, this was, uh, this was a great deal of fun for me, Jonathan. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're, as we begin to get to know each other and we begin to, you know, uh, network and who knows what, uh, how the world uh, ends up. But uh, yeah. uh, I want to just say how thankful I am for your time. And uh, I really, really, really enjoyed uh, the conversation, especially with someone who knows uh, Jenna and Michael Burns. Absolutely. No, I'm <laughs> of you, uh, you having me on here. I'm really thankful that you you did bring up um, that conversation. Uh, it, it's a lot, right? And it's you know we're we're living in quite the time uh, right now, and as we sit in June of 2020. But um, again, just having that conversation and, and bringing it up, uh, although nerve wracking, um, you know we're, we're all welcoming it, and you know it's a really cool thing to be a part of. And uh, I, I hope to tell my kids that we really made you know an impact one day. And, um, happy to be here and excited to uh, continue to, to network with you and uh, go from there. So I appreciate it. Hey, no, it's uh, uh, I'm we're the it's uh, likewise. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll get you we'll get you back on here soon enough, and uh, hopefully we can get the NHL uh, up and running, and uh, you know, uh, go Sharks! Absolutely, go Sharks! All right, talk to you soon. All right, bye bye.